in their services and stuff. I think it what's it helps to uh, make us special here. Yeah. Um, I know it's sometimes maybe a little test our patience a bit, but it's good. <laughs> it's a good thing. So, uh, all right. So, um, so Shabbat Shalom. Um, today, I mean, I know we are on the Torah portion of Shoftim, but I wanted to go over um, some important things that I guess happen and the things that we do um, during the month of Elul. So the month of Elul started on Wednesday night. Um, and during this month, it's the, it's the last month of our calendar year, right? Um, the first time the month of Elul is mentioned is in, um, is in, I thought I saw it here. Uh, I lost it. Oh, anyway, I thought I had it. Maybe it's somewhere else. Here. Okay, anyway. So this month is a 29-day month. Um, it, it starts on the same day as it ends. So if it starts on a Sunday, it ends on a Sunday. And our sages set it up so that it always um, will land on, on a Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. And that way, um, when Yom Kippur comes along, it will never land on, I think the day is on a Saturday night. I think that's what happens. Never, so Yom Kippur never starts on a Saturday night. It could start on a Friday night, but it never starts on a Saturday night. And I think that's so that you won't have like, have to prepare food or something. I'm not sure how they calculated it, but that's interesting. And, um, you know, the calendar is a, is a completely separate issue. And then we could talk about the calendar because it's a it's a big it's, it's it can take a long time to learn um okay so another interesting thing that happens um that we i guess believe that happens during um the month of elul is um we you have we have the saying the king is in the field so we believe that you know hasidic kind of hasidic teaching that you know um hashem um leaves his heavenly throne place and comes and is is closer comes to dwell here on earth more i mean yeah he's always here but you know just the kind of idea like he's there he's accessible during this month um to to um you know talk to and to to um you know to to ask requests of you know um so it's kind of an, an interesting thing um and i'm not sure if in history I'm not sure if our kings, if like say King David or something, also left their palace during this time. But uh, maybe maybe that was something that also happened. You guys can do their, your research for that. That's that's your homework. <laughs> All right. Um, I say so. During this time, it's a time for um, during the month of Elul. It's a time for introspection to, to kind of um, study like things that we might have done. Um, may have done wrong in this year, or things that you can change, things that you can get better at. Um, you really, um, you know, you know, really look upon yourself, you know. Um, we get this idea from, because this happened, you know, Elul, hap, 
a little, I guess, started around <clears throat> um, about the sin of the golden calf around that time. So during this 40 days, um, up until Yom Kippur, is when it was Moshe was up in the mountain pleading, pleading with the Shem on our behalf and getting the second tablets. And so for us, we, we use this time to also um, plead with the Shem and, you know, um, and search our souls, essentially. And then we also say um, Slichot this month. So Slichot is uh, the root, you know, Slicha, we say this in, in modern Hebrew a lot. Um, when, when you bump into somebody on accident, you say Slicha. If you're interrupting somebody, say Slicha. That kind of means like, I'm sorry, or pardon me. Um, um, but it means, the word means forgiveness. So we say these slichot, these forgiveness uh, prayers um, during this time. Um, we're supposed to say them. Um, well, there's two different uh, customs. One is to say them every day of the month of Elul is the Sephardic custom. And then if you're Ashkenazi or you want to follow the Ashkenazi's way, you start saying them, um, I think it's about four days, four days before um, before Rosh Hashanah. So there's like a total of, of 10 days or something like that. It was a custom to fast when you, when you say these slichot. So I guess there was like these, I, I'm guessing half fast days, like, like kind of like, um, you know, a fast from morning to night. Um, and you'd say these slichot and then you'd say them for 10 days up until Yom Kippur. But because there was Shabbat involved and, and you never, you never um, fast on the Shabbat unless it's Yom Kippur. Um, and so what they did is they added some extra days so that you'd get full 10 days of fasting. But no, they no longer do the fasting part, but they still say the slichot part. Interesting, right? Um, but I think we, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of put more partial to the Sephardic um, way where we, you just say some slichot every day um, in, the, in, in the morning during your shakarit time. Um, and then, okay, here's where it was. So the name Elul, this first time we hear it is in, in Nehemiah um, chapter 6, verse 15. And we read that um, the wall around Jerusalem was completed on the 25th day of the month of Elul. And so those words, you know, the sages, like, you know, got this, got this, this word. And then they, you know, as they often like to do, they connect, they, they make it into a, uh, uh, what's it called? They make it into an acronym, right? So, um, so they said, uh, so these letters, you know, this Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, it, it stands for um, Ani Ledodi Ve Dodi Li. Which is mean I am I am for my beloved and my beloved is for me, and that's where we get um, that that this saying is often said a lot of times um, for in a wedding or that kind of thing, but it's also saying you know like during this time um, Hashem and I are are, are closer are, are are closer and we're connected you know it's kind of like a that's a nice a nice way to think about it. There's some other acronyms I didn't I didn't get them, but there's I think there's like maybe two or three others. But I didn't get those. So I should. All right. But they're interesting. You, that's another homework. Go find out what the other acronyms of Elul are and see if you, they, you know, they uplift you. Do so you think they're exciting? 
Um, and then another thing that we do, um, which is an Ashkenazi tradition, but I like this tradition as well, um, is to blow the shofar every morning um, during the month of Elul. Um, um, you blow it um, either, they, they, they blow it after shakari, after they do the shakari. But I've been blowing it in the morning to wake everybody up in the morning. So it's been nice. Um, my wife said she doesn't need to set her alarm anymore because she gets to hear shofar wake her up in the morning. I don't put it right by her ear or anything. I just, you know, it's in the house. I, I, I'm still nice about it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, but I think it's cool. It's exciting, right? You're hearing the shofar in the morning. It kind of gives you like a kind of a connection to Rosh Hashanah, right? Mashiach, Mashiach is going to come soon, you know? So it's like this reminder that this new year is going to start. Um, and to also, you know, you know, get right with Hashem, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you know um, speaking with Hashem. You know. All right. And then another thing we do, um, and I'm not sure where this, where this came from, but um, another tradition is that we uh, will say the Psalm, the Psalm 27 with, during our, during our prayer service, during our morning and afternoon prayer service, um, which I haven't been doing, but I'm going to start doing it because I, you know, I just recently learned about this. And um, um, so Psalm, Psalm 27 begins with the words to David, let the Lord is my light and my salvation. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful Psalm to read um, during your prayers times. Um, and you, and you say this all the way up to all the way through to, to the end of Sukkot. So this is actually goes even longer, this tradition to um, say the Psalm 27 in your prayer services. Um, another interesting thing, and the last interesting thing that we have is um, the, the Baal, Baal Shem Tov added. Um, so there's, a, there's also another a custom or yeah, a custom to do during your Shakri is to um, read some Psalms and I and I and so you read a certain amount of psalms, but I guess during um, during this month, or you know, actually during this month and all the way through Sukkot, um, you the Baal Shem Tov added extra three psalms every day, so that when you read them, we read you can read through all the whole book of Psalms through the month of Elul and all the way through Sukkot. So you're reading extra psalms every day, but you get to read the whole book of Psalms. I haven't done this, but it's pretty. It sounds pretty cool, pretty exciting, pretty cool um, way to read through the Book of Psalms in one whole month. Um, so, to conclude, you know, so El Elul is a special time in our Jewish calendar. It reminds us of a spiritual awakening. It's a time when we feel um, a deep connection to our roots and the teachings that guide us. So, um, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, "To be a Jew is to be on a journey." So during this um, month of Elul, we are on a journey to get closer to Hashem. We use the shofar and, um, and the words of the Psalms to, to, to get closer. Um, we are reminded of Ani Lerodi Vedadi Li, which means, you know, I, my beloved, and my beloved is for me. Or, you know, so it's like this bonding with Hashem during this time. And... Um, you know, during this month of Elul, we can think about how ways we can 
can improve, we can grow, you know, uh, and connect. And then this is like the best time, I guess. I mean, any time is the best time, but this is like a, another time that uh, we, we have, you know, set aside to, you know, a, another growing experience. Um, so as the high holidays come up to, you know, soon, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur coming. Um, so let us make the most of this month to be ready for those, um, those, those big days. And so that's, that's my uh, Josh. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom and Safa, you have something to share? Uh, Ezra? Either one? Yeah, I have something. All right. Hold on for a second. Okay. <clears throat> um as we read on the uh, second portion of this uh, Shoftim parasha, uh, you notice that Mo Moses directly is the one who speaks speaks to the people, you know, and actually he's providing them the uh, guidelines uh, in case they want to desire a king, and instead of being governed by Hashem through his prophets. Now, uh, why will that? Well, well, they want to do that. You know, all nations known to them are all around, they all have king. So that's why uh, they were they could think about that. That's what uh, uh, Moshe is saying. Uh, the Lord already knew that that was going to happen. So I guess he was giving you know, like the uh, formula how to do it. And being on that point that they want to do the same as the other, uh, have the same the same thing as the other nations, uh, that is what is called today the assimilation. Uh, so they want to do as they did. And studies have demonstrated that more Jews are lost because of this process of uh, assimilation uh, than the uh, what, what we lost in, in the Shoah, okay? And one of the reasons is because our eternal enemy has already changed his tactics. So that's why we got to be uh, uh, careful. Now, to choose to have a king on Israel, it, it, it marked a big, uh, a big difference. And, if, uh, and, the, and it challenged their, uh, the leadership, uh, leadership structure, okay? It doesn't say what uh, the uh, head of the tribes, uh, uh, how did it affect them individually, okay? Because under the uh, monarchy of uh, Saul, uh, the uh, power was centralized uh, uh, on him. So the king has an authority over uh, military, judicial, political matters, uh, and and this indirectly affect the autonomy that they, the tribes have or the leader had uh, pre previously. So in, in having a, a, a human king, uh, this make the people more prone to, uh, to transgress because uh, now they're emulating uh, uh, a man and not God, which is the uh, 
case that uh, happened on uh, King uh, Solomon, okay? Uh, people, uh, that's how idolatry got into the uh, into the into our our people, because they saw that that he was doing uh, idolatry. Uh, why? Because he didn't follow the commandments. He says the uh, uh, Shem says, don't don't have uh, uh, too many wives, and 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 he says why? You know they will take away uh, your heart away from me and they'll uh, try to, to seduce you. And even though he was the uh, uh, the uh, wisest man known in the world, uh, uh, he, he he fell for that. Also, the things uh, about uh, the horses, something that he disregarded. It is says on, uh, on the uh, book of uh, Kings, uh, that he had 40,000 stole for his uh, chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Now, let's, 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 there is a uh, analogy to give him some kind of, like an excuse for him that uh, with that kind of uh, manpower, horsepower, they, uh, the enemies will fear him, okay? So that's why he uh, might be that that is the reason why he he had so many so many horses. Okay, uh, the other uh, reason was uh, why he had so many uh, women. He had so many men, men women, and, uh, and, and and mistress. You know, uh, he got this. He says that he got seven hundred wives of the royal birth and 300 concubines on his wife. Uh, so, and this, uh, as, as, uh, Shlomo uh, grew all his wife turned uh, his heart after the, the gods. And in this case, uh, I don't want to mention it, the, uh, the, 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 the gods that they uh, make him uh, follow, Follow. The only thing that uh, the uh, monarchy uh, was not uh, abo uh, abolished uh, on his time was because, uh, like Hashem says, it was because of the uh, uh, love he has for his uh, father and his father uh, Kim. Uh, so that's that's something that I uh, I would like to uh, bring, you know. And so idolatry is something that uh, constantly Hashem is telling us not to not to not to go by uh, the golden cup. Uh, you know how many people died for that? But idolatry is not just bowing uh, bowing into a uh, into a a, uh, a false god or an image, you know. Nowadays we can be an idolatrist if, uh, if something takes uh, uh, our our mind out of Hashem. That's called idolatry. If you love a car, if you love a computer more than uh, than you love Hashem, that's directly is uh, idolatry. So you we are uh, constantly had to be. Uh, looking at the uh, uh, what we are doing, see if it is taking us away from uh, from uh, Hashem ways. That's what I gotta share. Thank you.
Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So in uh, the good word, Ezra, good word, uh, Reuben. Uh, today's uh, Torah portion uh, in Aliyah 5, it's very interesting, the progression. Um, can y'all see me okay? Everything? Yes. Okay. Um, so the progression is, it's very interesting uh, way it's set up in uh, Aliyah number five. Uh, basically starts off and uh, starts off with, don't be worried, don't uh, worry about false prophets. And then he says, well, the reason why you shouldn't, because I'm going to set up a my prophet. This is a specific prophet. And uh, we're supposed to listen to that prophet, which is similar to Moshe. And, um, you know, if we don't, we don't listen to him, we'll, we'll get in trouble. Right? So it says indication or implication that this is the Mashiach. Uh, in the Tanakh, Mashiach is necessarily, it's kind of winked at. Uh, we have to go through uh, uh, rabbinical text to get the actual crux of what we believe today for Mashiach. But uh, there seems to be an indication that there is this figure that raises up. Uh, Hashem calls him, Hashem and Moshe calls him a prophet, the prophet. And we're supposed to listen to, and we're not supposed to listen to false prophets. And then it immediately, immediately says, we're not supposed to do the things uh, we're not supposed to um, take on the practices of the nations around us, uh, those nations that we are going to possess. Now, originally, the, the land uh, was going to be between uh, the river, the Nile River, all the way to the Euphrates. And it's not just the little bitty nation that we have today. The nation of Israel, uh, according to the uh, boundaries, uh, it looks, you know, if you look at a nation, if you look at the flag of Israel, is a blue stripe, and then the star, the Magan David, and then another blue stripe. So they're kind of winking at from the river to the river, right? So the river Nile to the river Euphrates. And, uh, you know, the, the land of the nation of Israel is nowhere, it's just a little bitty piece of that future kingdom. But um, another prophecy within this context, another part of the Torah, um, says that the Mashiach or the prophet, um, this you know, remember Deuteronomy is uh, Devarim is is uh, basically a summary. So Moshe is kind of hanging back of what was said in, in uh, Exodus. Okay, so Exodus it says basically that Mashiach or this prophet is going to drive these nations out and unfortunately in the time of um the time of joshua the people became the people became tired of war it's understandable people got tired of war and it never happened these people were not driven out they're still causing problems in the land and the surrounding surrounding nations in the present day israel and I would I would gather to say everywhere that we are in the world, they're causing problems for us. Uh, but because we were war weary, we decided uh, Joshua got 
you know, he he took a break, and the break became, you know, it took any years, and then he died, and then people were like, well, now we're gonna we're gonna assimilate, and then there was the stories of, of you know, every few years there being a, a man or a woman that was raised up, and Hashem brought people back, and they all repented and they came in. So there's this there is this uh, cycle of repentance and then falling away and repentance and falling away. Okay, so the reason why I bring this up is there is an inference. Um, that uh, we're supposed to drive the inhabitants of the land out. And then we drive the inhabitants out, we're supposed to set up three cities, refuge cities for, for people who are, um, who, who have been uh, alleged to have killed somebody or killed somebody without, without premeditation. Um, these are accidental murders, accidental killings. And so that we have the three, uh three cities of refuge but hashem says uh, also put three cities of refuge outside the nation or outside the boundaries why would he, why would he do that why would he set up three separate uh cities of refuge the indication is is when you expand so <laughs> hashem was expecting us and this is this goes into what is said in the the seventh aliyah Okay, and I'm going to get into some kind of a mystical application as well. Okay, so there's an indication that Hashem expects us to expects our nation to expand to the entire world or to every nation. It says, um, it says, when you approach a city to wage war against it, you shall propose uh, peace to it. Uh, whether we do this in our lifetime. Uh, or Mashiach comes, uh, it says that he's going to drive those people those people out of our country. Okay, um, so there's an indication that you know if, if they won't make peace with you, you you destroy them, you leave the women and the children, and you kill the men. Okay, um, I'm not saying we should go and uh, and kill everybody. And, you know. We, we see a, a piece of land that we like, and we're just going to go and do them in. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, Mashiach or, or specific leadership that is, you know, taking taking this action. Okay, but there's a, there's a um, mystical application of this as well. Is that um, it says in in the in the um, Tanakh that. The gifts of Hashem are without repentance. In other words, He gives a gift, and uh, whether you are, uh, you know, you 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 choose to use that gift wisely, or you you use it to um, hurt people, He's going to judge you regardless. But He gives certain gifts, um, you know, as a good father that He gives us. Okay, uh, so what did Hashem say? Hashem told Abraham, he said, your children will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. You know, he says, wherever you put your feet, you will inherit. And, uh, you know, Abraham did not start in the land of Israel. And everywhere that, everywhere that, uh, I almost said everywhere that Mary went. <laughs> 
you know, with a little lamb. But um, everywhere that, that uh, our father Abraham went, that's his land. That's the land of his, of his children. This applies to uh, the other children of Abraham, uh, those children that, that he, um, he made with, it, with uh, Keturah later in, in, in his life. They sent them off, and they, 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 the Midrash says that uh, they became nations, right? So who are we? Who are, who are we? we? We who are in the nations, in the dispersion, in the galut, um, could it be that the reason why we are put here is to fulfill uh, that command by, by our, you know, by our father Abraham? You know, we, uh, Bezra, uh, Baruch Hashem, we're, we're going to go to, uh, if the hurricanes don't come and, um, come down and, and change our plans, we're planning on going on a cruise first time, and we're going to Honduras and Mexico, and if there's been no descendant of uh, Abraham in those places, and when we step foot on the, off the boat, guess what? According to the, according to the promise, those are now, uh, you know, wherever we put our feet to, wherever, wherever you are as a Jew, as a follower of our father, Abraham, you've been given dominion in that place, wherever, wherever we are. And the, and the point is eventually this entire world will be uh, encapsulated by the Torah. So let us, uh, let us repair those things we can especially during this time and this season. And let us be representative of Hashem and of our father Abraham. Baruch Hashem. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Okay, I'll talk very quickly about the Haftra portion. Um, I, but I wanted to say that that was a very interesting statistic that... Um, that Maria Ezra gave that he said that we have lost more Jews to assimilation than to the Shoah, than to the Holocaust. Very interesting. Um, okay, in Isaiah uh, chapter 51, verse 12, um, first of all, it starts off, so this is the fourth of the seven consolations after the anniversary of the destruction of the temple. There are seven total. And, in, and the Haftra portion starts out by saying, I am he who consoles you. Hashem is saying this. God is saying to Israel, I'm the one who comforts you. Who are you that you fear man who will die and the son of man who shall be made as grass? So um, Hashem is saying, I comfort you. I, God, will be the, your comforter. Not another nation, not um, you know, not your might, not your power, not your guns, not your bombs, not your iron dome, Israel. Um, but it's Hashem. And he's saying, Why are you afraid of man? And the word that it uses here it's, is son of man, son of man. I was talking to someone the other day, um, and he was saying that, you know, when Yeshua called himself son of man, that he was referring to a special title given in the Tanakh about a special messianic figure, about a special messianic figure um, that would do something special in the last days. That's true. The son of man is a special messianic title. However, 
The son of man also means human being, son of Adam. That's true in the Tanakh, and that's also true in modern Hebrew. Okay, and he's saying, why do you fear man who will be grass? Man will be grass. You don't have to fear man. You only have to fear God. And what does it mean to fear God? Children? What does it say? Um, those who fear God and what? Keep his commandments. You've never read that verse, those verses that say, fear God and keep his commandments. When you truly fear God, it means not that you're scared of him or that you're, you, you think he's terrible and, and, and ugly or something like that. And you're afraid and that you think he's going to, you know, hurt you or something. Fearing God means to keep his commandments. That's what it means to fear God. It's not negative. Okay. And that word fear in the English, in the Hebrew, it also means be in awe of God which in awe means to be inspired by God. I think that might be a better word, right? When you're inspired by someone, you want to listen to what they say, not because you're scared of them. It's not that kind of fear. It's because you think that they're so awesome. They're so wonderful that you're like, oh, I should follow them. I should copy them. Have you ever met a person when you're like, oh, that person's so awesome. She's so smart. He's so nice, you know, blah, 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 right? And they inspire you to be a better person. Have you ever have you ever met someone like that? Maybe. Hopefully you will in your life. And if you never do, hopefully you will be that person who inspires other people to to be good and to be kind um and to be brave and stuff like that. Okay, anyways, um I want to go now to the second chapter of the Aliyah which is in uh, Isaiah chapter 52. And I want to start by saying that, you know the song, Lecha Dodi? Children, you know that song, Lecha Dodi? When do we sing Lecha Dodi? On Friday nights. Rafi, did you know that? That we sing Lecha Dodi on Friday nights? Do you remember that? That we sing Lecha Dodi on Friday nights, right? And the second verse that we sing, there's different versions, but there's a part that we say, we say, me. Um, so that means it's translated here as shake off the dust and arise. And th that verse, it says, dress in garments of glory, my people, through the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, redem redemption draws near to your soul. Wake up, wake up, for your light has come. Awaken, awaken, sing a song for the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is revealed to you. So those two verses in specific are drawn from the Hafra portion. Uh, in these two, um, especially in these next two verses right here. It's not in order, it's actually in reverse order. But um, in Isaiah 52, verse 1, it says, Awaken, awaken, put on your strength, O Zion. Um, and it says, Put on the garments of your beauty, Jerusalem, the holy city, for no longer shall the uncircumcised or the unclean continue to enter you. So it's talking about a future time and Hashem is saying, don't worry, right now you're in the midst of a lot of wickedness and a lot of evil people, but there's one, there's going to be one day when Hashem will separate the clean from the unclean. This is not the time. This time right now, it, you know, the sages say 
that the reason that we are in exile, the reason why Jews are scattered all over the earth is to what? Does anyone know? To make converts of all nations. That's what the sages say, right? And so there is a time prophesied when what will happen? In the regathering of Israel, right? The regathering of the people of Israel to where? To Jerusalem. That's well, not just Jerusalem, but also to Israel. Now, I this makes me think about um, the differences between the Christian idea of salvation and the Jewish idea of salvation. What is the Jewish idea? Uh, let's start with the Christian idea of salvation. What is the Christian idea of salvation? What are we saved from? I asked the Christian once, um, what are we saved from? He's like, that's a good question. I don't know. But I mean, most Christians won't answer that way, but it's just my one specific friend. Hell, yeah, they'll say saved from hell. That's true. And then we're, when we're saved, what happens to us? Then we go to heaven, right? But in Judaism, do you know what we're saved from? We are saved from sin still, yes. And we're also saved from our enemies, right? And um, we are still, Judaism does still understand that we need to be saved from sin because in Judaism, it's understood that the reason that the Jewish people are no longer in Israel is because of what? It's because of our sins. And because we sin, we're delivered to our enemies who rule over us with ungodly laws and, and unjust ways, right? Like here in America, there's a lot of things that are going on that are ungodly and unjust, and we have to live under different forms of oppression. And it's the same thing in Israel, which is why a lot of people don't support the nation of Israel, because there's a lot of ungodliness and oppression there. There are secular people still that, that rule Israel. So in Judaism, it is about being saved from sin, but it's beyond that. It's being saved from sin and then being regathered back to the land of Israel. Okay, just as God led the Israelites back, uh, not back, but to, um, to Israel, right? In, 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 in the Torah, when we are out, outside of Israel, we are still not saved. Okay, we are still not saved from our captors. We are still oppressed. And I've said this before, but I wanted to remind everyone that Hashem prophesies a time in Jeremiah chapter 23, somewhere there. I can't find it exactly right now, but there's, there's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 23 where it says that the people of Israel will no longer be remembered as the people who God brought out of Egypt, but we were remembered as what in the future? Do you remember? During Passover, we're not going to say, these are the people, we are the people who God brought out of Egypt. It's going to change one day in the future. And we're going to say, we are the people who God gathered from all the nations of the earth, from the north, south, east, and west, and regathered back to Israel. This is the full picture of salvation according to the whole Bible, not just the New Testament. So I think that's interesting. Um, okay, and then one last verse that I wanted to talk about. 
let me see if I can find it very quickly. Oh, yes. It, and what I just said, it talks about that in, it alludes to that in Isaiah 52, verse 4, where it says, For so said the Lord God, my people first went down to Egypt to sojourn there, but Assyria oppressed them for nothing. So he's talking about the first captivity in Egypt, and then he talks about, um, after that, he's talking about the 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 second exile which we which we are still in okay okay the last verse i want to talk about is in verse 10 and it says the lord oh no wait there's two more verses i'm sorry first verse seven it says how beautiful are the feet of the herald on the mountains announcing peace herald good tidings heralding good tidings announcing salvation saying Design your God has manifest man, has manifested his kingdom. I know a different version. It says, beautiful are the feet of those um of those proclaiming on the mountains, saying peace and good news, announcing salvation, and saying to Zion, your God reigns. Does that sound more familiar to anyone? I believe this is where well, yeah, in uh, I think in Romans, in, in the book of Romans, um, Paul. I think it's Paul quotes this verse and he talks about how this is um that the good the good news that is um that is being announced is the good news of of Yeshua and um and that may be um however a Jewish interpretation of this is that and it it, it says here that this word good good tidings that's the same as that's the equivalent of the word gospel um, anyways, uh, the Jewish interpretation of this is that is that Hashem will save his people, which again I said, which is the regathering of his people back to Israel through peace, meaning we will not have to fight for it. He will fight for us and he will set up his kingdom. And also in um, verse 10, it says, the Lord has revealed his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. And so the holy arm, Christians will always say, well, this is Yeshua, this is this is Jesus. And where do they get that from? Well, they get that from the Jewish interpretation of um of the Messiah. And it's it and it's spoken of in the back in the song Lecha Dodi, where it says, um, you know, when we say dress in garments of glory, my people through the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, right? We say, um, what do we say in Hebrew? We say, um, we say, leave she, leave she al yad ben Yishai, beit halachmi. Remember that? Children, remember that when we sing that? And so it says, it's doesn't, it's not interpreted here as hand. It doesn't say arm or hand. The word, the, the Hebrew word, Yad, it means, what do you know what it means? Yad, it means either arm or hand, it refers to the whole, the whole thing, okay? The, the whole arm, hand, anything, whatever. Um, so it says in the Hebrew, it says through the, through the hand or through the arm of Jesse the Bethlehemite. So it's understood in Judaism that the arm of God that he shall send to um to fight for his people is is mashiach and that he is the one who will be revealed before all nations 
Novamente, baixo, não, tem que... I actually just wanted to ask, I know, uh, Rob Reuven, he alluded to um, forgiveness prayers. Yeah. Where would one find these? <laughs> there's some in Safari, yeah, there's some in, there's none in Arsador. Arsador is too. Um, that might a, be a something that's makes, helpful too. Let me see if maybe any, I can find and post in the. It might be someone in the group. I know there's someone so far. Oh, I think like Ezra is is posting some. Okay. No, Sidur has it. Okay, Ezra said the Shlomo Sidur has it. Okay. Thank you, Ezra. You can also find, um, there's different ones. I, I'll, I'll post some um, that are, you know, free on Safari that we, we can all, you can all um, read. One, one is pretty long. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different versions. So. Nathaniel had a question. Nathaniel asked, why did God choose Jerusalem to be, to be what, would you say? The, the place the where his name is. There, there's, there's, there's two Midrashim that, that I know. One is that um, uh, the, the binding of Yitzhak, you know, the binding of Isaac, when he was about to be sacrificed by his father, that that, is, that, that was the same place. And the other Midrash is that there were two, that there were two brothers and one was poor and one was rich and uh the rich man had no sons no wife nothing he's just had a lot of money and the poor man had a family and not much money and then every night um the rich man took pity on his brother because he didn't have a lot of money and so he would secretly give him a sack of grain i think it was a big sack of grain to help him feed his family and then every every night also the poor man thought about his brother and took pity on his brother because he had no his brother didn't have a family or a wife to love him and he thought that maybe if he gave him also uh, some extra food that it would at least make him happy and 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 they both did it secretly without the other brother knowing and because of this great love and compassion that the two brothers showed to each other Hashem saw that place where they lived as special and holy, and he chose to put his temple there where love reigns. So that shows us that God wants to be where love is. There was this one store. This there was a store that's basically the same thing, but in the in a book called Rabbi Harvey. Mm -hmm. This one very much reminded me of it. Mm -hmm. All right, let us turn to page seventy-seven, Psalm one forty-five. Teila le David. Eromim ka elahai hamelek, 
Avrahashim Kalelambaet, Ekoyom Avrahekah, Ve'ahal 